Blog Talk Radio. You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That ain't that what we're supposed to do. It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. to have personal responsibility, political accountability, and corporate culpability. Get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. We must eliminate poverty. I don't care what color the person or child I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning to all the truth seekers out there. This is our conversation with smart people. I have a special guest on the line, Aria J, a spoken word artist here in the Atlanta area. Thank you, Queen, for being with us. If you will, say hello to all the truth seekers and just give people whatever background you would like to give. But, again, thank you for being with us, Queen. How are you doing this morning? Hi. Hi. I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, I guess a background, I'm from Texas. I've been in Atlanta for about seven years now, and I've been doing poetry here in Atlanta for a couple of years, and I'm finally getting my foot in the door. And, um yeah. Wow. I'll tell you, I've been highlighting the fact that I was bringing you on this morning as a part of our <laughs> conversation with Smart People series. And, and the reason I say wow is um, now I did not know that you had only, in a sense, taken up poetry for a couple of years. And I've been highlighting this amazing poem. I just featured you at the Mental Dialogue Live Experience. And, and, and for anybody who doesn't know, that's a, a live event we do here in Atlanta. It's not necessarily a poetry event, but I so happened to come across Aria at, her, in a sense, her mentor's event, uh, Poetry is Cheaper Than Therapy. I love spoken words, so I go support it from different you know different venues throughout Atlanta. And I come across this young queen, I guess it was maybe it was a couple of weeks now, a couple of weeks ago that was? Yeah, it's only been only a couple of weeks, yeah. <laughs> Yep, so a couple of weeks ago. So, of course, again, I've been out to the event plenty of times, and you stepped up and spit this amazing poem. And I literally <laughs> had other plans for what I was going to do with my event. Because people come to my event 
for dialogue. Like that's what venture dialogue okay. is, a live experience. It's 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 fun, it's entertaining, but ultimately they come for the discussion. And so I had a whole other venture dialogue plan and then lo and behold <laughs> you start you hit me with a pause that I I've been I've been quoting the first line. I hope I got it right, but I'm gonna quote it just right now before I before I let the audience in on the secret here, you know, on the reason that you are the conversation with smart people this morning. But you hit me with a line that made me pay attention and forgive me if I be- it's a bad paraphrase, but the first <laughs> chick I ever met was my father. Oh, you had my yeah. let me say that again if you if you're out there listening. The first line of this poem that y'all are going to hear this morning, if I got it again, I may have it a little off, but the first trick I ever met was my father. I was all ears from that point on. <laughs> and you weave this amazing Poem that made me say, you know what? Thank you. You mind coming to my event, spitting that poem? Cause we go, we gonna talk about that. Cause it's it's layers, it's layers to that. Right. And um <laughs> and, and and to your credit, Queen, you you came, you conquered. The group loved the conversation that one of my members said. You know, you need to have her on the show, and here we are. So this is in a sense to, to kind of let the audience, you know, I, I I heard the poem two weeks ago, and now you've been to the event. Now you're on the show, yeah. so and then I, what I understand, this poem has gotten you in some other places too. And here's the surprising part for everybody out there, maybe you know tripping on how much I am in awe <laughs> of this young queen who now I find out only been doing poetry for two years, but I think you end up telling me this same poem got you in some other places. So so you know I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of you know pushing it back. I don't want them to hear, you know I don't want them to jump right in and get you know and know what I know. You know what I mean? I want to get it up. But but if you will real okay, quick, okay. then you tell me that it got you in something else came about because I think you ended up being a player or something if you you can tell, you know, give me give me the background yeah, yeah. to where this poem has gotten you before we share it with the listening audience if you will. <laughs> okay, well thanks for having me. First of all, um yeah, like you said, it was just a couple weeks ago um, at Journey's event, Cheaper Than Therapy. I just did this piece, and I didn't expect it to, I don't know, really take me anywhere, to be honest. I was just sharing my story. Um, I wasn't even expecting to get on the mic that night, to be honest. Um, I was just there to, to listen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't planning on it. Um, well, I'm glad you did, got on the mic. <laughs> Yeah, I just asked her. I was like, hey, is there any time for me to get on? And she's like, sure. So, and I just went for it. Um, but, yeah, this poem, I mean, it, it, you know, it's a journey. It, it took me time to really develop it and to write it and perfect it. I worked really, really hard on it and then also memorizing it. But, um, I mean, right after that, you know, after I shared that journey, you came up to me. And I was excited about that. And then you you had me at the mental dialogue. That was pretty cool. And then I did the piece at Savoy this past Tuesday for Ken Warner's final show at Savoy. And I had um, someone come up to me, a nice lady. She asked me to be in her play and to share the poem in her play. So I'm curious to see where where this opportunity will take me. Um, I'm very honored that people want to hear what I have to say. So <laughs> I'm just I'm just happy. I'm excited for the journey. Well, I definitely appreciate you. I love everything you just said, except for 
the Mr. Dialogue was pretty cute, cool. I don't know if I could like that description of us. <laughs> it was what? That's a compliment. That's a compliment for me. Uh, just kind of that's like, a millennial like compliment. That. Pretty cool. But, yeah, it was cool. Like, it was awesome. I felt okay. There we go. That's right. Now we now we now we cooking with grease. Keep piling on, please. Pile on a little bit. Okay. I love the discussion. I love like being able to engage and interact with the audience. I mean, this is a piece that I wrote, and it's so close to my heart. And so for me to be able to share it and then have a discussion about it afterwards, I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I've never had this experience before. And so I really enjoyed hearing the perspectives from the people in the audience who heard the poem because it was very different from how I actually wrote the poem and my intentions in writing the poem and the story I was trying to tell. Um, and so I was just, I was really curious to see how people perceived it and it blew me away. Just people sharing their different experiences with me. Um, I've had people cry with me afterwards. Um, the first time I did this show, I mean, did the, um, the journey cool. show and I mean, I've had men tell me that they have daddy issues, and I think that, you know, that spoke a lot to me. I mean, that brought tears to my eyes. I mean, you know, people always talk about women having daddy issues, and then just for men, grown men, to come to me and say and just admit that, I was just like, wow, this is a really healing conversation, that, and it's a story that needs to be told. So I'm I'm excited. <laughs> hey, well, for my regular listeners, they know I really was dragging that out to get to our first quick break, and we come back from this break. It's a very quick one, y'all, so don't, don't hold it against me. I'm going to have you open, come out of the break with this amazing poem. Matter of fact, I don't know. Did you ever tell me just real quick, what was the name of, of it? Is there a name to it? Have you put a name to it yet? Because, again, I know this is a new poem for you, actually. Right. I didn't have a name for it. I was toying around. Okay, with I didn't know if you had one or not. But I think I came up with uh, Daddy's Girl. Yeah. Okay, I like it. All right, so very quick break, and everybody out there listening, we will come back with Daddy's Girl, and we may even open up the phone lines because, again, this poem kicked off a lot of dialogue at the event. So if y'all want to get in, <laughs> we will make that happen as well. All right, Queen, we'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Well, all I ask is that you think. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways, every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Again, I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's conversation with smart people, spoken word artist Aria J. Queen is right here live on the air. We just said before the break she's going to kick us off with this amazing poem, Daddy Girl, Daddy's Girl. Now we have a name for it, and uh, we'll discuss <laughs> yeah. it after she breaks it down. But, Queen, the floor is yours, and if you will, grace us. Go ahead, Queen. Thank you. My dad was the first trick I ever met. He taught me to always respect the white man because he writes our checks. 
I bite my tongue and blood fills my mouth because speaking up for my dignity is all I have left. But he is still a field nigger with the hard R, even though he's making six figures. And he is a colorist, even though my color is the same shade as his. He only marries foreign women who speak French, and he's on wife number four. And I don't even know her name. I just call her four. He says black women give him too much attitude and give him too much lip. But, Dad, I have your slender nose and your almond brown eyes, yet my skin is still black, my lips are still full, and my hips are still wide. You think black women are uncouth? Well, what was the shade of the woman who gave birth to you? I call her Nana, Why you call her Gertrude. Roll up your sleeves, nigga. I see the mommy issues tatted on you. Your mommy issues run deep through my bloody veins, disguising it as daddy issues so you won't be held accountable for my pain. Your morals lack accountability every time you try to kill off my identity, the parts of yourself that you see in me. You pick out your afro like our ancestors pick cotton. They hang you with that money in your pocket. They let that field nigger come inside, just exploit you of your skin every time you refuse to accept the truth. That you are just another black man, no matter how many zeros they write you. And instead of responding to pictures of your grandkids, you just send us pictures of your new mansion. And mom still has to remind you when my birthday is, even though mine and yours are in the same month only 15 days apart. Would you consider that a coincidence? I think not. And you have shown me that most black men with means do not have an allegiance to their black women, that they'd rather get light-skinned foreigners after their ex-wives and baby mamas already bore their black children. You told me that I'd be better off marrying a white man. Is that because you gave up on black men or because you gave up on yourself? Because the only thing you ever gave me was money and a last name, which I'm happy to get rid of. Because according to you, divorce and marriage is one and the same. You told me that women are nothing more than a commodity, that I am nothing more than a price tag. That if I don't dress up and look pretty, I will lose my man to the next pretty young thing. So I dress my body up in pretty young things. So when I walk in the room, he stops talking to her and he stares at my pretty young thing. I dress my body like, sis, I'll take your man. But that's nothing further from the truth. I just like to play dress up in all of my dad's mommy issues. Like, it's no disrespect to you. You'll never know my identity because I hide my cape under all of my pretty young things. My dad was the first trick I ever met. Doesn't he know it's still tricking even after you got it, even after you have it, even after you earned it, even after you spent it? My dad is a colorist, even though my color will always be the same shade as his. Doesn't he know that black daughters come with a lifetime of consequence? My mom says, you're only as happy as your saddest child. So, Daddy, let me ask you, are you happy now? Thank wow. you. Wow. I'm, I'm, every time I hear it. And in the, in the, in the, honestly, to take it in right now, in a sense, just you and I on the air like this is even more so. Right. I mean, it blew me away the first time I heard it, but just to be able to dig in and obviously for the audience, I'm pretty sure they're feeling what I felt the first time, but I'll say for a third time, it's even, even more powerful to me as I'm able to just kind of dissect everything that you're saying. 
Um, the place I think I'll start, if, if you will, because um, you mentioned prior to the break, the, the to mm-hmm. a certain extent, the idea of maybe to a certain extent how difficult it was to write, and I'm pretty sure just break, getting all this stuff out based on how relate, you know, how deep it is for you. Um, what part of the poem for you, in a sense, was the hardest, if you will? Because again, you touched on so many things. And then I wouldn't mind starting there if you if you wouldn't mind peeling that back for us. Um, there's so much, right? <laughs> this is a story that's been brewing in me probably I don't know at least 25 or so years. Um, I think the hardest part was uh, a few a few months ago. My sisters had sent pictures of um, my nephews, their kids, to my dad, and, and they're showing him, like, hey, you know, the boys um, are looking like you. You know, they're growing up, and they're looking like you. And it was some really good pictures of my nephews, and I have five of them. And he didn't respond to the pictures of them at all. He just sent us literally pictures of his new mansion that he built, which is, like, eight bedrooms. And um, I think that hurt me the most. And and the poem kind of started around there. And it's just like you're so detached from your own legacy that you have left between your daughters, the three of us, that you only want to brag about, about you know, material things. And that just, uh, that really, really hurt me. So it kind of started from there. No, absolutely, absolutely. And one thing that you shared, Friday, that, they blow my mind and we'll open up the phone lines to see if other people may have questions based on what you've written. Um, but the thing that blew my mind the most was this story. I mean, cause you, you mentioned the idea of how in a sense a black man will have, you know, in a sense bore children with the black woman and some of them will move on and never in a sense get, you know, don't know what has your, in a sense your father jaded to this point where he would no longer date black women, and obviously we'll get into some of those details, but it's not a story mm-hmm. that I'm unfamiliar with in general, just that, you know, right. again, I'm aware that this has happened. It's not the first time I've heard of this story. What was very unique about your story, though, was I was shocked to find out your father had been married to your mother for 20 years. As I said as I said at the live experience, the, the reason that blew me away is because in other times when I've heard this story or even just experienced amongst I'm not going to say peers or my friends or things of the name, but men my age getting jaded to the extent that, you know, maybe they dealt with black women and no longer will or some never would or whatever. But typically if in our generation, my, I'm 46, and so our generation, it, would, it wouldn't be a situation where there was a long time, a long-term situation where right. in, in some guy gets jaded to this point where has nothing to say about good about black women. And, and so it was shocking to know it was a 20-year marriage, three children come out of it, and as you say now, on fourth marriage but never willing to consider, and this is what you said was most hurtful, you know, someone that looks like his own daughter. And so obviously we can get into that, but it was just, you know, that 20 years blew my mind. And, you know, I don't know what your response should be to that, but I just wanted to kind of give that context as well. And matter of fact, before I even ask you in a sense, you know, what does that feel like? Um, any more background that you think is appropriate for, you know, someone, you know, who may, you've, they've heard the poem, but is there any more context or background that we think we should share with the audience 
um, that that as well. Anything that you think should come to the table about your father in reference to this poem? Um, <laughs> every line in the poem, but no. Um... <laughs> Any particular line? Then, <laughs> how about everything that? I mean, yeah, you said you gave, yeah, you gave it to us straight, no chaser. Any right. particular line? Um, any particular line? Um. I actually I forgot this line when I was when I was sharing it just now. But there's um, okay. there is a line in there, and it says, um, "Every time you write me a check, you ask me how to spell my name, and every time I cash it, my need for validation digs a deeper grave." And um, oh my goodness, I don't know how I forgot that. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's the one that hits most. Um, you know because. It, it is true. He asked me how to spell my name, and I think that's so sad. It's, I'm your child, and you don't know how to spell my name. You don't know when my birthday is. You know, ours is literally in the same month. I'm October 13th. He's October 28th, and it's just so much pain in that. Oh and goodness. I think really right. what I wanted – I'm sorry? <laughs> no, 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 no. I just keep going. Oh, no. okay. I thought you said something. <laughs> And, and and the story I was really trying to tell is that I want to stop women, as far as women, we I want us to stop having to carry on daddy issues. You know, like, oh, that woman just has some daddy issues. She's got a lot to work on. And I want to change the narrative that it's, hey, no, it's not that I have daddy issues. It's that my mom, my dad has mommy issues, and he never worked on them, and it passed down to me. And now I have to carry his mommy issues and now my daddy issues, and it affects my relationships. When this was a burden that should have never been placed upon me, had my dad done his, you know, emotional work and healing from his own trauma, you know. And so that's kind of the story I really wanted to tell, that it's like, hey, this is not my responsibility. Like, I'm putting it back on you. You need to take accountability for your actions and how much they've affected me my whole entire life. So, yeah. No, I respect that. Let me ask you this in, in reference to, you know, the context that you just put it in. So what do you think in the time that you, you know, obviously he was with your mother and therefore a number of years, so what do you think, in a sense, the mommy issues may have been that you might know about or be aware of that play, you know, do you have a, a you know, just your own assessment of what his issues might have been that have now led him on this path that disturbs you and strains your relationship? Um. I don't know all the details. He he's never really shared a lot with me, but just from the just the different stories that I've heard, um, I mean, I don't feel like his mom was that involved in his life, and I think he had a lot of bitterness and resentment towards her, and the fact that he didn't know his dad. So he always tells me like, "Oh, I'm so much better than my dad. I mean, at least I stuck around, eh, kind of." But uh, he he tells me the story of. He him meeting his dad for the first time when he was like 11 or 12, I think, at a park. And um, he had never seen his dad before, and he said he was really excited to meet him and, and everything. And then they met, and then he said, um, like, his dad said he'll come back, and he never did. So he's only seen his dad mm. like one time, you know. And so his mom raised him and then raised um his sister and some other children, um, like foster children. And so I think, you know, there's a lot of resentment towards her, mm -hmm. you know, for maybe the man that she chose to be with. 
um, you know, that she chose as, like, to, for his father, you know. And um, I don't think her, I don't think his sister has the same dad as him either. And they're maybe a year apart at the most. Their birthdays are in the same month. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I think there was a lot of pain that came from that. And uh, and I think he, in his eyes, he thinks he's a great dad because he, he stuck around and I know who he is. But. I that's, the, that's the bar, considering what, unfortunately, the travesty that his his father passed on him by saying, I'm coming back and never coming back. So his bar is so low yeah. that, yeah, the way that he sees himself. And so it really sounds like, as you say, you name this poem Daddy's Girls. It sounds like his bigger issue is his own daddy issues. I mean, I'm pre- pretty sure, right. you know, there's definitely issues between him and his mom, you know, as far as how close they are or whatever, but it right. sounds like a lot of that's driven by his own daddy issues. Right. And here's the, you know, to move this in a sense into the bigger context and things that we kind of started getting into on, on last Friday is, mm-hmm. is the community, the African-American community quite often suffers through examples very similar to this. And, 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 the, and a big part of it, I would say, due to things that are happening in the community, daddy issues are prevalent, both sides of the table, you know, you know, obviously um, it resonates for, you know, for you as a black woman having this issue with your father. And, you know, we think of mother, mommy issues, you think of the man, and when you think of daddy issues, you think of the woman. And, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. unfortunately, you know, your father's very own daddy issues, as you said, it shouldn't be passed on to you, but it is quite often the unfortunate reality, not making it okay, that is continuing to happen when we do have these unresolved issues. If you're out there on the phone line and want to get in this, this morning, you can definitely press one. We'll take your questions. If you've got any questions about what all you had to say, again, we're just dialoguing this morning for conversation with smart people, but we will open the phone lines. You do have to press one. If you're online, the number to get in is 646-787. One six nine one. Again, that number is six four six seven eight seven one six nine one. You do have to press one. So as I was saying, Queen, yeah, it's devastating to just to share this aspect with you as a man. What I'll say uh, when it comes to us as African American men, sometimes we have daddy issues we're absolutely unaware of. Um, you know, right. a situation like your father's where, you know, he said he was coming back and they only met him once. That's an obvious traumatic situation for your father. But just to even share this right. part um, for for even men like, men like myself, when my father was in my life heavily from my high school years on, and even before that too, but just regularly by the time I got to high school. And I always tell, I tell people that was a, sa- a saving grace for me. Because my mother, you know, mm. was, was wonderful and doing everything that she could, but you know, but to see in a sense, and I would also need to put your credit to my grandfather who we stayed with until I was eight. So I definitely had examples, mm. but I definitely feel like you know my father coming back regularly in my life in my high school years at the were critical years to give me less, I'll say less daddy issues than maybe than than some mm-hmm. of my friends who didn't see their father as much as I saw mine, right? But I'll tell you, right. even for my friends who did, here's a daddy issue that I think never gets talked about 
because it's, it's so mm-hmm. simple. But a lot of us experience it. Sometimes, even if we do have our father, it's something as simple as this. The way, especially the older generations, but the way the, the generations ahead of us were and were raised and they had to all kind of sense, always be on their cool poles to kind of navigate the American experience as African-American men. Right. One thing we as men hardly ever hear, and we don't even know that we want to hear it, is that mm-hmm. our father is proud of us. And so since mm-hmm. it never comes up for most of us, we don't even know that we're seeking it. Right. And I'm pretty sure that now that, you know, now that your father has, you know, in a sense, once he left, that's what you're sound like, in a sense, to a certain sense, you're contending with, like, why didn't he want my mother? Why doesn't he want black women? Why doesn't he want a woman that looks like me? Like, talk about seeking that and trying to, like I said, you try to navigate the world with this thing you're seeking almost unknowingly, what is that like for you as a black woman knowing this happened with your father? Like, how did you feel about, you know, other men that might come into your life? We actually got a caller that wants to get in, but I'll let you respond to that, and then we'll go to a break and get to the caller after that. Go ahead, Queen. Okay. Well, wow, there's so much to unpack in that, that question. Um, you know, and when I was doing the, the mental dialogue, uh there was a lot of things that stirred up in me that I didn't realize that was really heavy and inside of me. And, and I said, I, I want black love, but I don't know if black love wants me. And I really believe that. I really believe it. Like I want to believe in something that I've never really seen um, because it's, it's like I have this hope, <laughs> you know, kind of like, a, I don't like to say hopeless mm-hmm. romantic because I like to say hopeful, you know, like maybe it'll come. Mm-hmm. Um, like, but I have like this hopeful romantic side of me that I want. And I'm like, maybe there's something wrong with me. Why is it so strong to have a desire for something I've never had, I've never seen, you know? And also I've kind of started becoming a little cynical, a little jaded and looking at marriage as more of a business contract, you know, like, oh, it's not about emotions. It's just business, you know, it's about life insurance and 401k and, you know, getting kids to college. And I don't really see it as that, you know, loving commitment, that covenant. Um, and uh, that that desire of mine has kind of just been lost. And I'm like, how do I believe in something that I don't know if it even exists? And if it does exist, why doesn't it want me? You know, because I want it. Like, I'm here. I'm looking for it. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't it you know, want me, and I think that really hurts. That really hurts. Yeah, it hurt when I heard you say it on on Friday. It definitely hurt. Well, we're up against the break, so we'll be right back, and we'll get to the caller coming out of the break. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Are you ready to claim your financial freedom to build wealth? Well, join Mental Dialogue and Core Financial for the 2020 Financial Freedom to Wealth Building Unconference, a unique interactive unconference where you select the classes that matter to you, all at an affordable price. Bring your entire family as you receive instruction from certified financial professionals in budgeting, credit repair, home buying, and understanding and buying stocks. 
In addition, your teenagers can take a youth entrepreneurship class taught by an 18-year-old business owner. Secure your entire family's financial freedom and success as you choose to of the classes and participate in the interactive financial Olympics where your entire family will learn about the wealth-building tools of personal finance, investment clubs, and vertical integration in business. The 2020 Financial Freedom to Wealth Building Unconference takes place February 22nd, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at MOTEP Academy, 667 Fairburn Road, Northwest Atlanta, Georgia. Child care provided during the event for ages 5 to 11. Catch early bird pricing through the end of January. Get your tickets now at claimyourfreedom2020.eventbrite.com. So if you're in the Atlanta area, please take advantage of our 2020 Financial Freedom to Wealth Building Unconference. Our special guest for this morning's conversation with smart people, Aria J. Spoken word artist. We call this first hour Finding Black Love. If you're waiting up for the second hour, there's an open call. We'll be able to get in your calls and any topics you want to discuss. We're opening up the phone lines heavily in the second hour, but we do have a caller that wants to get in now. See what they have for us, Aria. Okay. Area code two one four last three two seven three. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning discussion with our special guest, Aria J. Hi, this is Shay, and I am from Columbus, Georgia. Hello, Shay. Thank you for calling. What you got Hi. for us? Is- well, I, I was listening to her poem, and I understood a little bit of what she was trying to say about the mommy issues. I get that because the rejection of black women when you have a daughter says, I'm rejecting you. So though the root of his his rejection could go to father, grandfather, all the way down the ancestral line, I do understand the tattooed. I'm dealing with your, your mommy is just tattooed all over your arms, and I love that part that she had shared. Because when you reject that, that, that immediacy is what um, the, the daughter is dealing with. Even though the mm-hmm. um, the uh, eventuality could be grandfather, great grandfather, and all that other stuff, but the immediacy is is the mother that the father is um, is is still grappling to forgive. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. the mother is the one that's there, obviously dealing with the son mm-hmm. when she was talking about he, he was raised by his mother. So that's the one that honestly the child can lash out at. I'm a single mom so I right. get it. You know, I'm the one who's right. there. I'm the one that's dealing with this. So I get the anger and and it all and so whatever personally my, my child may or may not be able to deal with, you know, as an adult, hopefully he will work out or he will hand it down to his children. And unfortunately, what we're not talking about, and we don't have a lot of conversations with the Jamie Foxes in the world, and um, those that just keep uh, the child, the, uh, the uh, what is it, his name, Tyree, those that keep doing either light to white or Spanish women and have these beautiful African-American daughters, and um, that the conversations when they're looking to their father for that um that model acceptance is difficult to get there because the women they're choosing don't look like them. That's all I want mm-hmm. to say. Yeah. No, nah, Shay, that's an amazing thought. Um, Aria, any um, response to what uh, Shay had to say? We have some, we have another caller, Shay, but thank you for your three cents. I'll let Aria respond to you. Though. Go ahead. Thank you again, Queen, for calling in. Thank you. Uh, uh, thank you for your call. Say, 
Yeah, um, it is really, really a big part of my poem. The poignant part is the the mommy issues. It's that he hates his mom so much that he hates me, or he hates women, and he takes it out on women. Um, and that's the part that hurts is just because it's it's the rejection, like she talked about. It's that rejection of like, why am I not good enough? Why don't you like me? Why won't you accept me? And then the women that he does choose to um, marry and settle down with look nothing like me. So it's just me trying to find my place in this world of like who, you know, who wants wants me. What black man wants me is kind of kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. I'll tell you what I'm thinking about real quick, and we'll go to the next caller. And so, when we, in a sense, we, you know, we just mentioned how, to a certain extent, some aspects of this can be prevalent in our own community, and that's ultimately what I think people have to be aware of uh, when it comes to bringing the next generation along. Typically, you know, we know ideal. Ideally, we would want both parents around, but this is what both your parents ultimately, when in a sense done correctly, are supposed to instill in you in the sense that you're not looking for that validation. Like You know what I mean? That your parents right. give you enough love so that you are validated in yourself. And it's very difficult with for one parent to, to a certain extent, do that on their own. And so this happens over and over again, and it becomes very cyclical. And 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 people quite often ask that question when you see, you know, men or even women who are dated to that degree. Um, you know, mm-hmm. how can you treat, you know, or how can you treat someone like this? And you come from a black woman, you know what I mean? And it's some of what right. um, I think Shay had to say. Let's go to the next call. Area code four seven eight last three three zero three. Give us your name. Where you calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion with Aria J. Peace, family. What's happening? It's uh, sincere out of Atlanta. Hey, sincere. Hey, what's up, King? You, you know, we always love to get your three cents. So, what you got for <laughs> right. us this morning, King? Now, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, what Aria is speaking about is exactly why I do what I do. Um, I had father issues, um, not being validated by my father, and uh, so it led me on a quest. And what I realized is that mothers and fathers, they're human as well. There's things that they didn't get in their life, and we have to allow them to be human and then get to a point to where we just go seek exactly what we need. So that's that's exactly what I was able to do uh, throughout my life. I was in a village that allowed me to tap in, and what I didn't get I went and found, and that led to the book, The 30 Love Laws, and now what I do as a relationship coach to let people know, like yourself, that all you have to have is hope and you have to plug in to the right sources to be able to get what you need to get yourself to the next level. And that's what led me to a beautiful relationship now with my wife that reminds me specifically of my grandmother. I can look at two pictures of my wife and my grandmother at about the same age, and there's a direct connection to those souls. So it is possible. I want you to know that it is out there. And the more you think that it is, the confirmation exists on that Mm -hmm. other end. So what we believe Mm -hmm. is very powerful and there are sciences to Mm -hmm. prove that. So that's what I do as a relationship coach to let people know that it's out there. 
is available. There's no such thing as an imagination and no truth to back up that imagination. Mm. Oh, I love it. No, I wow. love it. I'll Thank say this you. real quick to um, to even just as a small reiteration of what Sincere is saying is I've heard of, as you say, you started in your village. I definitely have even seen people who now have beautiful marriages and relationships, and one of them say, well, I did. I had dysfunction at home, but my neighbors had an amazing marriage, and I befriended their child just so I could see what it's supposed to look like, what it's supposed <laughs> to feel like. Right. And and then I can right. even say this um, from from my own personal perspective. Um, even I'm I'm big on family and in, in, in how I desire and care about family. But the my play sister, if you will, I consider my real sister. Their family. Ex- kind of exhibits a lot of what I think is missing from my family. So by me, so I feel like I'm really part of their family by just being a part of it. So I guess I'm just kind of reiterating that if you somehow in your couple of years here in Atlanta, if you were able to, in a sense, see an example, because like you said, you could imagine it, you should believe it. And I think he's absolutely right with that. But I would throw out if you could find an example that you get to be around It'll give you more of that mm-hmm. belief that um, Sincere is talking about. Just to add that to this great advice. I mean, you already know Sincere. Everybody know in Atlanta knows Sincere. I know. For, uh, for, for, for who he, you know, because we know him. <laughs> we we see we see the finished product. So you know what I mean. I always right. be tripping when he tells right. me who he used to be, but because you would never <laughs> think he's what what he is now. So you know, I would just say that to uh-huh. you what, just a couple of days ago on text. I think Sincere. Uh, so I always appreciate your three cents. Appreciate. You know, giving this quick because I can't give her that advice. You, this is what you do. So I appreciate that you called in to, in a sense, continue that that healing process. So thank you very much for your three sessions. Yeah. Thank you. Absolutely, thank brother. You. So peace and love. Bye. <laughs> All right, we got more people that want to get in with you, Ari. So let's see what the next person got. We'll okay. Keep these things rolling. Yeah. yeah. This is cool. I like All it. All right, let's see. All right, absolutely. Yes, good morning. All right, area code 301, last three, 661. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Um, my name is Harold. <clears throat> I'm, I live in the Washington metropolitan area. And uh, I was just listening to the conversation as it, re- as it pertained to re- relationship building and uh, that, that kind of thing. I was, it's kind of a thought-provoking subject that I thought, think about off and on because uh, some years ago in the church, uh, someone had this idea about, hey, the guys that are in the church that are between the ages of, say, 35 or 45 and 50 that are now mature, let's go eat, let's send people back to their old neighborhoods where they came from around the District of Columbia and find some mentored young men, you know, some young men to mentor mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. along the way. And, I mean, I, in theory, I thought of, thought of it was a great idea. Um, but let me just kind of give you a thumbnail of what happened. Um, okay. I went, back, I went back to my own neighborhood in the, in the district, and it, let's say it had changed uh, somewhat because of the, the drug infestation. Right, and as I was uh, somewhere in the church, someone had got this kid's name, and I can't remember how they did it, but I think he was fourteen or fifteen years old, and they wanted me to talk to this guy. What I didn't know 
when I went back down there is this guy, this little 14, 15-year-old guy, was the so-called Al Capone or drug kingpin of the area. Okay, I mean, I don't wow. keep up with such things. What yeah, I did okay. notice, You're not in the area anymore. Okay. No. What I did notice is I'm driving down the street. I'm noticing a lot of guys coming out of doors, putting their hands in their lapel, in their pockets and stuff like that. And I'm pretty sure they had some firearms. But anyway, they led me to this right. guy. And apparently he knew he knew I was coming. You know, and someone from the church or somebody had contacted his grandmother. That's what it was. His grandmother contacted okay. the church. Gotcha. So anyway, I, I got to meet this guy. Now, here's a 15, 14, 15-year-old kid. He 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 owns a boat. He owns three houses and two cars, and he don't even have a driver's license. Now, I don't know mon- monetarily what this kid was making um, week by week, money wise, but he started out the conversation when I walked through the door by saying, "Look, I know why you're here, okay? And let me stop before you say anything. That the only reason I finished, oh, oh, he had a high score in the in the high school." Uh, test to the, the SAT mm-hmm. and, and he okay. cut me off at the knees when I walked in the door he said look the the only reason I finished high school was because of my grandmother that's what he was living with his grandmother mm-hmm. and so I think he said you know I know you're going to come in here with the um the leave it to beaver you know uh white fence <laughs> you know <laughs> you know the you know straighten up and whatever and so I mean he diffused me right away as I'm walking the door, you know, and to, to tell you the God's honest truth, I really didn't know how to rebut anything that this young man said because we thought that the thing that struck me as he was talking is like, now here's a guy, you take him out of this neighborhood and you put him in Wharton Business School, this guy he, he becomes a captain of industry. Right. I mean, he was smart, but he was in an environment where he had to like survive. And then we all, you know, I, I'm certainly not a fan of drugs, but I mean, if you look at it from from the real world perspective of these let me, young let me, people, let me ask you this. Say your name again, brother. Let me say this because I'm actually up against the break as well. And 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 I, I and I, I and we definitely uh, we are a a, a caller friendly show, if you, if you will. Um, wait, what's your name again, King? Because I'm gonna go to a Harold. break, and I, I, I will. Daryl, you say Daryl? Oh, Harold. 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 Okay, I got you, Harold. All right, so let me go to this break real quick, Harold. I'm gonna put you on hold, and I'm gonna try if we can relate it back to again some of what um, Aria is, is in referencing to with with her daddy issues. Or is it, I'm assuming this young man clearly probably. Didn't have a father as well, which is usually I was, the case. I was getting so, to that part, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I feel you, I feel you, I feel you. No problem, but we just up against a quick break. So let me do this break, and I'll let you um, finish that up out of the break. All right, team, we'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and T-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at MoneyMotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most 
It's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They still know with me. Because I look like money. Smell like money. Talk like money. Even walk like money. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's conversation with smart people features Aria Day, spoken word artist here in the Atlanta area. We still have Carla Harrell on the line. So, yeah, if you will, King, just I can get to other callers. We've got a little more time with, with the Queen. The next hour, we'll go into our open call hour, and people talk about whatever they choose. So with that said, um, yeah, so, yeah, if we can relate it back to, in a sense, what Aria has experienced in, in, in this, giving us this poem. I don't know if you heard her poem earlier in the in the um, broadcast, but go ahead, King. Thanks for being Thanks for calling in. Well, I mean, I was I was giving you the precursor to that to to sort of tie it back to her scenario or her person situation. Um, when I left that that experience, my my own father was a drug dealer when I was living in that same neighborhood, and as I was growing up, I never had any interaction with my father because he was in corpor- in, incarcerated pretty much most of my adolescent life. So I learned everything that there was to kind of know about etiquette and money and how to treat the lady and all that stuff in the barbershop. I mean, I never really knew my father. And for years, I sort of held it against my father that, um, you know, I didn't have a relationship and uh, he didn't really kind of reach out. And from that point, you know, I just made it a, I just made it an objective to strive past all of that. And I mean, I don't mean this as a backhanded compliment to myself, but I own a computer business, you know, I'm a father myself, and I, you know, I got a wife that, I, you know, I'd rather see her go to heaven than myself, then, if, if that would be that's big, that's big, Harold, no, I appreciate that, I appreciate, yeah. and I think but what I'm hearing po- you say, and then I'm sorry to cut you, sorry to cut you off, King, but I definitely got to, um, you know, keep it moving, so what I'll say to you is, and I think, I, tell me if I've got this correctly, um, similar to, I don't know if you heard the last caller, but how sincere was saying to Aria the, the aspect of still being able to find, you know, love from the standpoint that she was saying earlier for herself that she still doubts it. She she doesn't know if she's going to receive it. And sincere wrote down how if if you can imagine, and I just kind of said if you can get an example, then you now are calling it as another example. Although you didn't have that relationship, you turned it around. So to a certain extent, you are proof that. You know, even a young man growing up in an area like yours can find their their way and love a black one, woman properly. So I think that's what I'm hearing from you, King. Uh, again, I hate if I'm cutting you off, but I definitely appreciate the call because, again, you being an example without your own example proves that it can be done. So I appreciate you um, sharing that story, King. Okay. Um, Aria, so, yeah, I'll just kind of say yeah. – um, you know what I mean? That that you know, to even hear a Harold story. You know what I mean? Or I'll see right. even say my own story that I'll say my maturity was definitely been delayed because ideally, once again, I hate to say ideally, but it's almost 
what we're missing, the ideal of you're really supposed to learn it within your own family structure. The, the, we all right. know they would be so beautiful to watch a black man love your mother, to see it in your home, and vice versa, to watch a black woman love your father, to see it in your home. It, it almost don't have to be mm-hmm. taught when it's done right, right? But we, but we're all right. a lot of us say all, but a lot of us are out here under circumstances in which we're having to figure it out, jaded. And it, again, even being in the home doesn't doesn't guarantee that, right? But when right. it is done right, when when you when it is a as Harold said, I'd rather see her go to heaven than myself. When it's that type of love, um, I can only imagine the different experience his children will have versus him having to find his own way. Um, so definitely, we're hoping right. that at a minimum, we at least giving you hope. That 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 it, it can well, and do, does exist. Go ahead, Queen. Please. I do want to say, um, you know, that that has been my own personal experience. But I do want to say that um, I haven't been completely deprived of seeing that example. My older sister and her husband—they've been married 26 years. They're high school sweethearts. Oh wow! So I have seen it. I I just want it for myself is all I'm saying. Like no, I absolutely. want that commitment, you know, for myself, that black love for myself, someone who's, you know, going to come home and work hard as a provider. You know, that is what I'm saying when I say black love doesn't want me. Like I want that commitment, that marriage, you know, and what I'm getting is, hey, let's hang out. What are you doing? What's up? Can I pull up? You know, like that's what I, those are the type of responses I'm getting from guys, not the can I court you? you know, let's work this out. And that's what I'm saying when I say black love. Like, yeah. No, I absolutely understand. I mean, dating 2020, y'all do it via text, and it definitely typically ain't a regular, it ain't an old school date, if you will. It's literally, right. you know, what is it, what you do, what you do in text and Netflix and yeah, chill is definitely like the option, what, for what I understand. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, unfortunately, but let's get... No, I can dig it. Matter of fact, let's dig into a little more of your story that came out okay. on Friday just to even give more context. And it's just simply the fact that I know you, you told us on Friday that, you know, you've been married and now divorced. So so even mm-hmm. as you mentioned earlier, you haven't been dated in this relationship with your father. You've attempted to do it. And in a sense, you know, uh, like you said, you're divorced now. I'm pretty sure that plays a role in you wondering, are you going to find it for yourself as well? If you could kind of maybe speak to that. Uh, yeah, real quick. Um, yeah, I was married for about five and a half years. I got married, um, when I was 19. So I'm, I was a baby. I didn't know nothing about nothing. Um, but yeah, well, it turns out that I married a person just like my dad. So I realized, um, after that marriage ended and I left him, I did a lot of soul searching and digging and self-reflection and awareness and introspection, all of that, so that I wouldn't attract that type of person in my life again. And I've been on my soul journey for about seven years or so. um, So that way I can attract the love that I am seeking and not the love I have experienced in the past, not the type of relationship that my dad has shown me or the type of marriage that I had in my past. Like I I really worked on healing myself and um, getting right with God and um, connecting that spiritual relationship with God so that he can take over that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Here's the, and for those people that are on the line, you do have to press one to let us know you want to speak 
this morning. Uh, we only have a few more minutes with the Queen before we go to the top of the second hour. You can definitely stay with us if you choose, Queen, but I, you know, I, only, I only obligated you for the first hour. We actually got another <laughs> caller. I was going to uh, let me, let me read her. Okay. Like what you just said, how you say you in a, in a sense finding your father again. It's funny how the psychology plays out for all yeah. a lot of us as humans. Um, that that yeah. even things we digest as a young kid will play out, and we will often end up with the very thing that we digest because um, the psychology is very weird, especially if you don't get you know if you don't seek or get therapy for some of the trauma that you experience. Prime example is you know how a young man may grow up where the father's abusive, hates his father for being abusive, you know, to the to their mother, for example, and then turns around and repeats that cycle, although as a child said he would never do that. You know what I mean? I'm just saying, uh, you know, me and my mother, my mother's my world. We're opposites in general and my first serious girlfriend was just like my mother, like how me and my opposite are supposed to make it, right? So it happens, and you don't know what's happening until you're in it. But good thing you've done the, a lot. Sounds like a lot of the work to try to make sure it doesn't happen for you. Oh, yeah. Let's go to this caller real quick. Area code nine one nine last three five one eight. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion question. We only got a few minutes with Aria, so I'm gonna have to ask you to make it quick. Uh, I don't know if she's gonna be able to stay. Okay, with us. go ahead. I'll call her. Yeah, I'll be quick, family. This is uh, D from North Carolina. Thanks for calling in, King. What you got for us? Yes, indeed. One, Ari, I want to say uh, I appreciate you, and I really enjoyed the poem earlier. Um, one thing you. that I really appreciated about it is it, it, it didn't pathologize black men, right? It didn't say that, hey, mm-hmm. you know, black men feel this way and respond to black women because it's something innate. This is just how we are. You really looked at, like, the societal, sociological factors, you know, in terms of how uh, he was socialized. What could have he? What could he have gone through that that made him this way? And I think that's something that's very important for 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 us to do. You know, um, again, I'll be quick, but when mm-hmm. you think about black people specifically, it's always the elephant in the room. We 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 are not. Mm-hmm. We don't have the freedom just to be autonomous as we want to be. We still live in a system of white supremacy. You're right. And this this right. even our so-called preferences are shaped. Like things that, you know, some people say, oh, it's not about, you know, this or that. You know, I just like this because that's that's my preference. Yes, but your preferences can be induced. Your, your preferences can right. be shaped, and, and they are, especially at a young age. So I just want to say um, not only did I enjoy it, but I appreciate that you really looked at, you know, what brought this to be. You didn't just internalize it and say, hey, this is something about me, and you didn't uh, – the mean uh, not only black men wholesale, but this man is like okay, this is something specifically a failure on his part. Is what brought him to this? And if we can understand and focus on what socializes folk to to feel this way, then we can fix the problem as opposed to just saying you know this is just what it is and we just need to you know just deal with it. So that it it was re- refreshing. Thank you. No, that's Thank so you. dope, D, because because D, you're so right that that hardly ever happens. People usually generalize and pathologize when they've been hurt. Go ahead, Ari. I'm sorry about that. Go ahead, Queen. Yes, indeed. Um, I, yeah, I wanted to make sure that I don't to to really convey that that was just a story, you know. And I don't see all mm-hmm. black men that way. That I don't hate black men. I don't at all. I love them. They are fine. But They're gorgeous and they're strong. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, um, no, did, but my did, point, I just want to put that out there, that it was really my experience with my dad and how he sees women, how he sees me as a black woman, you know, and as a black woman, how I feel not having that love from my dad. But, yes, it wasn't um, 
I'm, I'm glad that you that you got that, that it wasn't just a blanket statement of all black men and that it was more so just him. Yeah. Uh, D, uh, great call. Ari, let me check with you because we got some other callers as well. Uh, um, how long are you able to stay any longer? Because we can, we can, yeah, we're gonna I'm still let people get into other minutes. subjects. But if you're, yeah, I don't want to make sure I'm not hogging your time. Okay, uh, D, amazing call. Thank you, King, for calling in. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Thank you all. All right, so we got another caller that wants to get in. They want to get them in after the break. So we'll keep some of this discussion going with Aria J. Second hour is still open call, so we can change the subject, but we'll definitely let the next caller who called in for this hour to get in on Aria J, our special guest conversation with smart people for this first hour. Thank you, Queen, for being with me. I wanted to share uh, David Banner has a new song, kind of, I think, an ode to, to our queens, and, and, and I wanted to pay one after this, again, this amazing poem. Um, he has a new song called Marry Me, so I wanted to kind of share it for the top of the hour. We'll come back with the caller uh, in reference to you in particular. And then, again, for anybody out there looking to get in on the open call, we can definitely continue this discussion or open it up. I definitely have a, a subject I want to bring to the table for the second hour's open call. We'll be right back. All I ask is just that you think. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. First hour special guest, spoken word artist Aria J. Gave us this amazing poem in the first hour. She's still with us, at least for a few minutes. We had a caller that wants to get in. I just thought it's crazy in 2020 of all people, David Banner, Mr. Mississippi himself on his back is the one having a song called Marry Me when you think about him coming from in a sense. 
you know, in hip hop from the Cluck area. I don't know if you're very familiar with David Banner as an artist, but it's definitely a, a, a transformation for him. And again, just something he wanted to point out because something you, you know, Steve Harvey talked about, you know, rap don't talk about love no more. And so that was part of the reason right. he decided to put that out David that Banner. song as a. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, say it again, Queen. I didn't realize that was David Banner. No, it was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, somebody singing it, and, you know, the rap part was him or whatever, but that's his song, right. and, again, just an amazing transformation for him. And as an article we have up on the Mental Dialogue Facebook page where he goes into uh, where this this idea of our queens not feeling uh, desired and protected and what led to that song. So it's mm. a great article. Highly recommend uh, people go to the Mental Dialogue Facebook page to read that article. Uh, we guess go to the column that we had before the um, break. Mhm. Area code four zero four last three five four seven. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion question. Good morning. My name is Misha, calling from Atlanta. Um, I actually. Good morning to you, Aria. Good morning uh, to you, Montana. Hi. Well, hi. Uh, hi. First of all, your poem is beautiful, and it spoke thank to me you. in a couple of different ways. So thank you for putting your voice into the atmosphere, into the world. We need that. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. Um, I was actually calling in about David Banner's song. Like, I am so moved by his song. Uh, really quickly, it speaks to me as well um, about something we don't get to hear. I feel like black media and radio has attacked black love for the last 10 or 15 years. Um, we don't need mm-hmm. to hear this kind of music coming from, especially from our black men, our kings. We do not get to hear this kind of music uh, to the black woman, of course, coming on the mainstream media. So I'm really grateful um, that we have this song. But um, I, I struggle. I, I struggle to listen to it only because um, I have never had a man, a black man anyway, tell me those things. So last night was my first time listening to it, and it, it was a tearjerker because I had to literally adjust my ears. I had to adjust what I was listening to in my mind mm-hmm. to even be able to accept it. And it was it was it was an eye opening moment because um, I I really don't even understand how. I mean, there's so many black women who want to be married. But my question is, and I guess my comment as well is, are we even ready? Are, are, have we even healed ourselves enough uh, to be able to accept what David Banner is offering, you know, to all black women, he said, you know, all across the world, um, you know, the protection, the I will not go anywhere. Um, so many of us deal with the fear of abandonment. So many of us grew up as daddyless daughters as I did myself. Um, I had a stepfather to step in later on in life that has been amazing in my life, but I believe those pivotal years where I needed to hear that masculine energy mm-hmm. or have that masculine energy, I didn't get it. So I've made a lot of mistakes. I was married really early as well uh, and divorced. <laughs> so um, being able to hear this song, like it just really, you know, it opened my mind up to see I know what I'm asking for. I know what I want. But am I, I thought I was healed enough, you know, literally, I thought I was healed Mm -hmm. enough until I began to listen to it. And it just felt so strange to my ears. Like it didn't even feel normal for me to hear a black man tell me those things. I know it's just a song, but I really had to double take. And and 
I, I'll be honest with you, I'm thirty. I'm thirty-two years old, and um, I really do not have a lot of trust in in love anymore. Um, I do know that someday I do want to remarry, but I, I really don't see it happening. I've began to prepare myself for a life as a single black woman. Um, you know, and preparing for my future and growing older. But um, I really like the song. I'm really glad David Banner, you know, this, he put this artistry in the world because we don't get to hear this a lot. So, yeah, that that's my point. I just, I don't know, do we feel like we're, as black men and black women, we really are healed enough to give what he's saying from black male perspective and to receive from the black woman perspective, I think we just still need a little bit more healing in our community to be able to accept some of the things that we're asking for. And I don't think we really know how to because we didn't see it modeled a lot, you know, growing up. I know personally I didn't. So. Nisia, I'm going to send it correctly, right? Nisia, that's it? Uh, Nisia. Nisia, I'm sorry, excuse me. Nisia, you've... There's a, so much to unpack from what you said. I'm going to say this, and Aria, you definitely respond. And I'm okay. I'm saying this because, like, hearing your story, and and and, and there's obviously other queens out there with you, with this story, and y'all's story seems very similar. You know, just you know, married, young, divorced now, so those things are related, and and both of your you know, desiring it, but wondering, you know, will it happen? Um, and I know that this, unfortunately, is growing, growing from this, you know, I'm pretty sure part of you saying you're preparing yourself this way is because you probably know older women who that's how they're living. Like, that's what seems to be the case. So I'm pretty sure you're saying it right. partly from example. The thing that I would wish for anybody listening, and I'll just kind of say, um, um, how this song, like you said, for you to realize that it actually affected you to hear this positivity coming from, uh, uh, in a sense, from a David Banner, and it, like you said, it made you question, you know, what is my own healing? What I would, what I want to say, and this is something that I've, I've thought about for a long time when it comes to our queens growing up in the hip hop generation with us, and this is not a a, a slight at hip hop itself but here's a reality of the generation is similar to what we were just talking about with Steve Harvey when he says hip-hop doesn't talk about love anymore. It's been forever. You know, we, you know, I need love is 87, I think. It's 88, I think. You know what right. I mean? When, you know what I mean? In, 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 in any other ode to a girlfriend since that time is a, uh, you know, a me and my bitch type situation, or she was she was a rider. She did, you know what I mean? Not, not the I exactly. love you. I want to, you know what I'm saying? Like the 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 essence of music and poetry is that it covers all emotions. And so when you mentioned the see the attack on, uh, in a sense, from even when you get into the media and the airways. Unfortunately, or as a matter of fact, it might have been, I'm sorry, D, I think D said that in the, the caller before you said that, that attack is calculated to the extent that you're having a visceral reaction to a former crunk rapper, if you will. And that's not all David Banner is. I respect this king highly. But I'm just saying, if you think about his background, where he comes from, because it's not, I'm pretty, I know you've heard love stories, but to hear it from a David Banner who, you know what I mean, it would have been bitch right. down the flow 15 years ago. So to hear him now come full circle, 
you had a visceral reaction, and I really wanted to continue to point that out, how psychologically this could happen, that this song may have this visceral reaction. In that article that I shared on Mr. Dotlaw, he said, will our sisters even get behind a brother making this old? You know what I mean? Because he says it's easier to get followers doing the bitch get down on the floor stuff. That's what he says in the article. So he's like, will you get by? And again, I'm not pointing the finger back at women. It's really breaking down what you're saying. Like, you're like, you struggle mm-hmm. to even receive it. Now the question is, when I say will women get behind it, not to point the finger, but are we so hurt and, you know, traumatized by not hearing love in this manner for so long that it may even be hard to receive? I'm sorry, whoever wanted to jump in, please do. Uh, oh, yeah, it's me. Um I did want to point back to like what she was saying, or, you know, as as black women are we healed enough, you know, and I think that could be said collectively, but also individually, you know, for black women to be able to heal together, we have to heal individually. And I think you have to take that time to heal yourself, you know, and that you can't put that responsibility on anyone else. You know, I don't know for me, yes, I want black love, I want a black man to love me and support me, but the responsibility, it comes on me first. You know, mm-hmm. do I love myself first? You know, do I, I have to heal myself from all of those things. So I, I do not carry that into the next relationship or that I don't have an outlook on all black men, you know, or towards black love either. You know, um, I spent years and time in healing myself and I, and I have a daughter as well. She's 11. And so it is important for me, it is imperative for me to heal myself so that way her outlook will not be the same as my experiences either. You know, I don't want her to experience these things that I have, and I don't want it to be passed down. And it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of time to work on that healing. And a lot of it comes with therapy, you know, and our community doesn't always like talking about therapy, but that is where a lot of my healing came from. And then also just a spiritual growth, you know, healing and, and just being led by God and seeking him, his love spiritually and being okay that his love is sufficient, his love is enough. So if I don't receive that love from a black man or whoever, I'm still whole, you know. And I think that's the so most let me, important thing. Let me ask this real quick while we still have to see a real quick couple things that you mentioned. Um, Lucia, have you ever ever seek therapy? Just a quick question on that, and I have another question as well. Yes, um, yeah, I'm definitely on the on the line of mental health issues in general, as far as okay. in our community. Or I, I definitely agree with you. We are so afraid to talk about what has traumatized us or what has pained us. Um, yes, I have. I I'm an advocate. I'm, I I share it. I tell other people you know, that I know who have experienced some traumatic experiences through life. May it be, you know, fatherless homes or motherless homes, whatever. It doesn't matter, um, you know, to get therapy. Um, and I have done the work. Um, I definitely, um, you know, spiritually delve into being alone. I think we're so afraid to be alone that sometimes we forget that alone is the best place you can be uh, when you're doing your work. You know, you don't need a lot of people around you or a person with you when you're doing work all the time. So, yes, answer that question in the short. Yes, I have. Um, and I'm not saying that I don't. No, fair enough. Uh, yeah, let me we actually, Queen, uh, if you yeah. will, let me um, jump okay. back in real quick. 
Um, no, 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 you're fine. You're fine. I will say what you just said. It reminded me of a statement I've always heard that, and it's just some something I've heard in the past. Uh, a woman is ready to be with someone where she's okay with being alone. Um, just something that I've heard. So it kind of speaks to a little bit of what you, you know, a little bit of what you said. And I think there, you know, possibly um, some validity to that. I'm actually up against the break, Queen. I, I appreciate your thoughts. What, what you can do for anybody out there that's already been in, if you're a first-time caller, you don't know this. If you've been on and want to get back on, you have to come off the one and press the one again. So I'll offer that to you, Nasia, as we continue this conversation. I don't know how much longer um, Aria can stay with me, but, again, I do have to go to another commercial break and take care of my sponsors. But your call with three cents was amazing this morning. Thanks for calling in, Queen. Thanks, y'all. All right. We'll be right back. Aria, let me check with you. Again, I don't want to hog your whole second hour, so if you need to go, you are free to go. Um, if you're free to stay, I'll let you stay on. We may go a different direction just because, again, I did tell people they could call in and talk about whatever they chose. Um, but, again, how, how much time do I have with you, Queen, before you need to go? Um, again, I do I actually have you. to go. <laughs> yeah, not a problem. Not a problem, Queen. You have been amazing. So before I let you go, um, if there's any way for people to follow you so they can get more exposure to the work that you're doing, uh, please get that out right now. And thank you so much for for an amazing um an hour and 15 minutes with us, Queen. Thank you so much. Go ahead. Let people know how to get, get in you. contact with you. Yeah, thank you. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Crown of Beauty. So that's Crown of Beauty. And um, for any other, um, give me any other questions, or if you'd like to hear the poem again, or if you'd like to come, have me come and speak um, at one of your events, please contact me at Crown of Beauty. And thank you so much, Montoya. I really appreciate this opportunity. You have a great day. Nah, nah you too. Thank you very much. We are going to go to a break with our sponsor, Square Business Entertainment. If you are a regular listener, you know about Taylor Pace and the great music they're offering. They're singing about this thing we call love as well. So I'm going to play a cut from Taylor Pace. I'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. I 
Dialogue Talk Show. I am your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. Amazingly appropriate song after the first hour with our first hour special guest, Aria J, who gave us an amazing poem that obviously opened up to a lot of our relationship issues within our community. And I'm pretty sure there are plenty of queens, as we just had another caller talk about seeking that black love. And you got a, a Taylor Pace offering a song saying, no matter what I'm out here doing and moves I'm making, Queen, I'm coming home to you. And it sounds like there's plenty of sisters who who could appreciate that. So I definitely love what Square Business Entertainment is doing. They offer a new hit every 30 days, and we try to highlight a lot of what they're doing. So uh, go find that brother's music on all music platforms, Taylor Place, Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you can find music and play music. They're, they're there. Well, again, we highlight them every week here on the Mr. Dialogue Show as one of our longtime sponsors, so we appreciate Square Business Entertainment. But we are in the second hour, Conversation with Smart People. Um, second hour is an open call. So if you're out there on the line and we can take this show for the rest of the little bit of time we have left, anywhere we want to go, I definitely had a subject in mind that I wanted to open with is going to definitely take us in a different direction, but just keep in mind, this is an open call. If you are a first-time listener, uh, typically we're doing a subject matter discussion question. Uh, I go by Black Socrates, so we, in a sense, take the Socratic method, uh, what I say to a certain extent, my version of the Socratic method is, if you ask enough of the right questions, you will get to the right answer. So typically, again, if you are a first-time listener, our shows are in the form of a question outside of when we do our Conversation with Smart People series. So again, this is the open call hour. If you want to get in and dialogue about anything that could be happening in the news or any issues in our community or even continue some of the discussion I had with, uh, in a sense, with Aria J if something was sparked then you are free to do that. Where I'm going to go and start is we are coming off of the Martin Luther King weekend and um, with the Middle Dialogue Community Club, which we have here in Atlanta, um, quite often in January, we we do a once-a-month event at Urban Grind. It's a black-owned coffee shop here in Atlanta. So we've been doing that for a number of years. I've done it all over Atlanta over the last decade, but the last few years have been with Urban Grind. Shout out to uh, Cassandra, who runs that amazing location. Definitely check it out if you're in the Atlanta area, Urban Grind. I'm um, always, in, in reference to, to her shop as well as Sublime Donuts and a couple of others, plenty of, you know, living in Atlanta, one of the beautiful things about living in Atlanta is um, you, you get insulated from some of the things that happen out in America, if you will. Uh, if you remember a couple, maybe I think it was, what, a year ago, uh, you know, there was the Starbucks 
issue with, you know, how they treated those brothers or whatever and it became a national issue. In Atlanta, we don't get affected by often by these national issues and these quote-unquote national boycotts, if you will, because, you know, we, we so busy in our own spots, we don't we don't have those experiences. So so just a little side note in reference to, again, how much, and shout-out to Urban Ground, how long um, I have been with her, and she really supports the community. That's the beauty of when you do business with your own, you know that that, in a sense, quote-unquote money is circulating. But anyway, back to uh, coming off the MLK weekend, something I wanted to bring to the table I found very disturbing um, with, in a sense, the MLK celebration. Again, we have it every year, but something that's starting to disturb me is as we get in my opinion, and y'all can call in and give me all three cents on it as well, but as we get farther and farther away from, uh, you know, in a sense, Martin Luther King's death, if you will, again, it's obviously a celebration of his birthday in January, but I'm just saying, as we get farther and farther removed, um, something that seems to quite often happens with history is history can sometimes, as you, again, as you get farther away or if you don't, or if you don't really study it in detail, it, there's, there's this, in a sense, revisionist history that quite often happens the further you get away from it. It's no different in our own lives when you, you have a story you used to tell in detail and 30 years later the details are a little different, right? So it's kind of human nature to a certain extent. But the narrative of Martin Luther King and who he was and what he stood for, in my opinion, um, has, and I think most of us are wise to the idea that in a sense, what we hear and see now that's repeated in the media, we, we most of us consider it a watered down, a watered down version of King. I think that's most people would agree with that. What I am disturbed by though, as this watered down version keeps getting repeated, I'm disturbed by the narrative that seems to, in my opinion, starting to grow within our own community of somehow that. Martin Luther King was passive and weak. Now, that's something that's kind of been an ongoing dialogue, even from when I was young. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm I'm from South Carolina, so as a young man growing up, grandmother taking me to church every Sunday. So Martin Luther King, early in my life, became my hero. I mean, I want to give some context before I tell you exactly what I'm disturbed disturbed about. So he was literally my hero. I've always been a reader, so I, I really, really admire. MLK. Then in my own lifetime, I accidentally came across, and it literally was an accident, I literally accidentally came across the autobiography of Malcolm X. Uh, My summer of my eighth grade year, my mom, my mom, if you remember back when we had library cards, right? And so my my mother during the summer, my beautiful mother who, you know, stayed on top of me with my, my academics or whatever, so I could have as much fun as I wanted in the summer, but I had to go to the library and pick up books and her she said you can pick up any books you want but you got to have books that you're reading i already enjoyed reading anyway so it wasn't a big deal i walked to the library but in this particular summer i came across the autobiography of malcolm x completely by accident it was in a i'm living from a little small country three-stop light town all i ever heard about was martin luther king if you will and this particular book this summer was the biggest book i had ever seen and what happened when I seen that I was even considered but the reason I picked it up because it was in the library and it the tor- the cover was torn off even on the spine almost. So I kinda picked it up 
going, why is this book look like this? That's what made me pick it up. Like, it was just like, why is this book even in here? So I picked it up. It was no cover. And I kind of want to say, well, what is the book since the cover's off? And I opened it up, and I can't remember that exact moment. But for whatever reason, I said I ain't taking this book home. So I don't know if I read something. can't remember that very moment. So I read something that says I'm going to take this home. But I never read a book, a chapter book that thick. But the reason, the only reason I picked it up was because the cover was off. I almost was, I think I was me, I was a nice kid. So I probably was picking up about to say, hey, do y'all know this cover is torn off? But I eventually, they let me check it out. Changed my entire life. I got to give this context to, to what I'm about to say about Martin Luther King because, as I said, MLK was my hero early on. After I read the autobiography of Malcolm X, by the time I was a senior in high school, I read it twice, ended up reading it again in college, and I, MLK became my absolute hero. I mean, Martin Luther King, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Malcolm X became my absolute hero. He, he started, he trumped MLK for me. And so as I learned more about Malcolm, and, and, and so I got onto, yeah, um, Martin was passive, and MLK, and I'm sorry, I'm messing up this morning. Malcolm X was, you know, militant, and 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 since I got to college, I was carrying that. My best friend in college was still a huge MLK advocate, and so even in college, we would go back and forth about Martin and Malcolm. But again, he became my best friend. So when I seen, he's like, man, you get a, you need to get up more on Martin. So he turned me on to some more books, and I was able to learn the history to Martin's strategy. So I had to give that context because here's what I'm disturbed by in 2020 as I, again, hear these watered-down versions of Martin Luther King. I'm disturbed by that in our own community, not only are people possibly saying MLK was passive and weak, and when I, again, went through these same ideological questions in my own head, I never thought of them as weak. I definitely agree with passive, but even if I thought passive, I never disrespected MLK. I still honored him for the hero that he had been to me before I even came across, for example, a Malcolm X story. What I feel is happening now, again, the further we get away from both of those men's deaths, but Martin in particular, there's a level of disrespect that is starting to seep into our own community. And in my opinion, it's happening because we're not, because we've allowed the watered down version to let us think whatever we want to think. See, because we don't, because we're not even teaching our own history. We always talk about and complain about how the school system shares the same heroes. And then we know January is going to be the Martin Luther King celebration as it should be. But in the, the, the idea of how Martin's being presented, it is now, in my opinion, come to my attention that now people have no clue of what Martin Luther King actually did for us because of the watered-down version that they're hearing. So if you're out there, I definitely need people to get in. I got some callers. I definitely need some help to get through this last half an hour. I'm going to go to another break. And again, I have to take care of my sponsors. But I want to hear your three cents on even what I'm talking about. You can bring something else to the table. I'm going to give 
some some facts of what MLK did coming out of the break, and then we can continue that conversation and keep it going. But I definitely need y'all help to get through this that next half an hour, if you will. Bear with me. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. Everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. We are in the open call, so I'm hoping the callers that are out there on the line that y'all will press one and get in on this morning's discussion. If you're online and want to help us out and get through this last half an hour, that's what open call means. I'm looking for the truth seekers to call in and talk about whatever you want to talk about. The number to call in is 646 787 one six nine one. Again, that number six four six seven eight seven one six nine one. You will need to press one. So prior to the break, I was talking about my frustrations with how MLK is being seen by some in our own community to the extent that it's become disrespectful in how people look at what Martin Luther King Jr. did for this country or for us particularly as African Americans in my opinion it has become disrespectful because um, they're not just calling his tactics per se passive they're saying he was weak saying that he would not fight back and it's so absolutely the the, the opposite of the truth because it, I, I, again I, I've seen this happen year and year, year, year after year but it seems like it's growing so I actually threw up a little Facebook post um, just kind of even after the celebration, kind of saying, hey, the strategy, the nonviolent strategy is actually bolder than eye for eye. And I said the key to it is strategy. See, because we get the watered-down version or we're leaving it up just to the public school system, a lot of us, um, I'm, I'm a point, I will point the finger at black parents in, in a sense, in the sense that if we're not going to tell the full story ourselves, because we can easily do that now, then the watered-down version has people today thinking that Martin Luther King was scared. I saw that on social media, saying that he was scared. That's what made me respond with the nonviolent strategy. It's not about whether I agree or disagree with it. 
It's about how it is being received today when people get removed to what from what actually went behind it. What was the thinking? The same thing that my best friend shared with me when, when we would go back and forth when I was the Malcolm guy and he was the Martin guy and he shared more information with me. And when I came to understand the strategy, I, I came to the understanding of what I just said. And, and and I didn't say it as nicely as I just told Don on social media. I I actually said it took more nuts to to do the nonviolent strategy than eye for eye. So why did I say that? Eye for eye, somebody's harming me, it is naturally in my defense to fight back. And and you know, we always have these you know, and, and the reason people are, are are even trying to categorize MLK's approach as passive because you know, we think of, you know, we marched instead of fought back, instead of, you know, bearing arms and things of that nature. And, and people now, with, with what I call with, his, with linear thinking, linear thinking is basically the concept of the mind trying to take the easiest way to, the, to, to, to its own understanding. And so, and, and, and while there are definitely issues with, in today's time with, in a sense, our approach to getting things done for our community because it's related to, you know, in a sense what happened in the civil rights movement, people are now just blanketing this concept that it was a weak strategy and that it was people went as far again. This is what disturbed me as far as to say that Martin Luther King was scared. We're talking about a man who at one point was receiving upwards of 40 death threats daily from wax from around the country to include, you know, we now know through COINTELPRO to include letters from the FBI trying to disturb him and stop him on his path. And this is the man that we're calling afraid. Let me break down exactly what MLK accomplished that's not something that you can see on the law law books. It's not a civil rights act of '64. You know, um, it's not that. You know what I mean? It's <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, just here's here's what Martin Luther King done. Again, this is just to put some, in a sense, some respect on this man's name. And this and literally, this is not just my idea. It's an article. I literally put up an article every year on the Mental Dialogue Facebook page on Martin Luther King's celebration, day of celebration for his birthday, that says, you don't really know what MLK did. So I want to definitely give credit for some of what you're about to hear and, and people to understand what that strategy, again, it's not about whether you agree or disagree with the strategy. I just want to take the idea completely away, especially from people in our own community that somehow Dr. Martin Luther King chose that strategy because it was a fearful one or because he was afraid. It's the, it's the absolute false. So in taking the approach of protesting in the manner, uh, if you know, you know, even more, you know, look up civil disobedience. Um, this was one of the tactics that was applied that, you know, MLK had studied. Uh, you know, from others as well, in a, saying we're going to choose this nonviolent strategy. But without going into a lot of details, let me just give you the essence of what the nonviolent strategy was able to do and how it broke the terror stronghold that the KKK had implemented since the early years of lynching when Reconstruction 
was a, an agreement between that was was ended with an agreement from the north and the south to kind of say, hey, we're gonna stay out your business because the south didn't, you know, because while while the south was being occupied after the civil war by the north, the, the, you know, we see these amazing twelve years of games where you know former enslaved Africans are now. You know, in Congress, you know, we had this big run. We we start our own businesses, and then when that agreement takes place between the North and the South, the North leaves. There's no more military protection to ensure the new freely enslaved Africans were free to, in a sense, roam. The the the, the KKK was born and enacted terror, and in particularly when it came to voting, to the extent that based on the laws that were on the book, we had some African-Americans because we were given the right to vote, right, by the by the amendment. But we had African-Americans who were, quote, unquote, eligible when they weren't putting in the BS poll taxes because these things started very heavily, right, to, to usher in Jim Crow. So, so, but even for the ones who could, the terror of the lynching area Era, mostly created by the white supremacists and KKK of the time, who was born in Tennessee originally, basically put so much fear that even blacks who were eligible vote would not go. The voting rolls in the South had been reduced to literally one percent of African Americans were voting in in, the, in like the Alabamas and the Mississippis and the South Carolinas of the world, and, and you know two or three percent in the other states. Again, this is legal nationally. But hey, even the ones that could wasn't going. So what did MLK do with the strategy? So anytime somebody might try to vote, or if you know the story of Fannie Lou Hamer, for example, you go learn her story. You know she's, you know, all the time she was beaten, basically sterilizing things for her efforts to try to go vote and things of this nature. But all the torture that was distributed by the KKK and others like them to keep us from voting. So when we would protest or fight back, the reign of terror that would happen thereafter, the aftermath, this is the study history very rarely, even our famous rebellions that we know about during enslavement times, you rarely learn the history of the aftermath. But the aftermath would be an over-correction a, a, a hyper level of violence to basically tell blacks, get back in your place. And quite often it worked. So I said all that to say, here's what MLK did with his nonviolent situation. Because when there was chance for confrontation, if we did respond violently, then it would give the South and those mobs reason to do their normal process, overreact to get us back in place. And it usually worked. Well, one, the nonviolent approach wouldn't always provoke it, but didn't necessarily stop the violence coming to us. We know that. MLK trained the people that were with him and understood the strategy. We're not going to respond in violence anyway. But here's the brave. Not only is it brave that you're not going to get to respond back, but here's the other part. When we When they showed up protesting, not striking back, not defending themselves, and the, and the terror might happen anyway. MLK and them would show up the next day 
it broke the back of the KKK's tactic when they kept showing, even if you kill me, I desire these rights. I'm going to get them, and you can't even kill me to stop me from trying to get them. So a lot of the violence that we seen was the 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 tactics that had always worked not working. So the KKK ramped it up, and it still never worked. How brave do you gotta be to show up again? If you tell me I gotta get my ass beat, I can't fight back. But I got to show up again tomorrow. I don't know if I'm signing up for that. I don't know if I'm signing up for that. Yeah, you can train me to put my hands over my head, how to get, you know, train me how to get hit by a baton, you know, for for our people. I'm frontlining for that. I think I'm I'm built with that kind of cloth. I, I would like to believe that's who I am. MLKs, the Fannie Lou Hamers, the names that we know was leading groups to show up again and again. Put some respect on that man's name. You can disagree with the strategy, but let's not dare disrespect the ancestor in that manner that we allow watered-down versions of him being called passive to turn into now people in our own community are calling this man afraid, weak. He's anything but that. That's something we can do. We don't need commercialized viewpoints of MLK seeping into our own community that we now lose respect for our own hero, our own meaning. We can tell our own damn story. It's easier to do now. Go get the facts. Go get the facts. We have to get our last break and come back. Please, if you've got a call in, got anything to say about what I'm saying, please call in. Press 1. Let me know you want to speak. Number to get in is 646-787-1691. we got one more segment. I'm definitely looking forward for anybody to get in. Let me know if I'm making sense. If you disagree with me, I'm cool with that too. That's dialogue. That's what we do on the mental dialogue. We, I'm not trying to tell you how to think. That's not what we do. You know, we just uh, our motto is all I ask is that you think. So we're going to go to one last break, and if you will, please give me a quick call for this last segment. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Are you ready to claim your financial freedom to build wealth? Well, join the Mental Dialogue and Core Financial for the 2020 Financial Freedom to Wealth Building Unconference, a unique interactive unconference where you select the the classes that matter to you all at an affordable price. Bring the entire family as you receive instructions from certified financial professionals in budgeting, credit repair, home buying, and understanding and buying stocks. 
participate in the interactive financial Olympics where your entire family will learn about the wealth building tools of personal finance, investment clubs, and vertical integration in business. The 2020 Financial Freedom to Wealth Building Unconscious takes place February the 22nd, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. at MOTEP Academy, 667 Fairborn Road, Northwest Atlanta. Please join us. Catch the early bird. Tickets only $30. Can't beat it. Child supervision, ages 5 to 11. Get the information at claimyourfreedom2020.eventbrite.com. Definitely looking forward to meeting some of you for our financial unconference. Again, if you're out there on the line, I want to get in on this morning's discussion. Please press 1. I got some out of getting back in on this, looks like. Area code 478, last 3303. Give us your name, where you're calling from again, and your three cents on this last segment. Thanks for calling back in. Hey, peace, brother. Once again, it's uh, Sincere out of Atlanta. Thanks a lot, King. Appreciate hey, you calling. Tell me ride this last 15 minute segment out, man. I hate I hate doing the show on my own, but I, I try to give my co host um, in the uh, Saturday off, so I don't want to time up every Saturday with me. You know what I mean? This, this is my baby, and they just helped me along with it. So thanks a lot, King. Call it back in. Hey, hey, absolutely, man. I just wanted to uh, make sure that I continue to show you love, man. Whenever I got a moment, brother, you got a moment, man. And uh, I'm glad Thank you. that you you spoke on what you spoke on with Dr. King, man, because oftentimes we let somebody else set the narrative. And uh, in my studies of greatness, that's 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 between Martin and Malcolm because I love both of those brothers and both of their approaches, and both of them are, pre- are prevalent. And here's one of the reasons why: like if you look at uh, Dr. King's last year of his life, he was the most hated man in America with a disapproval Absolutely. rating of 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 over seventy five percent. So so. Mm-hmm. So a guy that plays the peace card and a guy that's a coward, he's going to be liked. He's going to be the Sambo. So that tells you one thing about him. And this brother understood mm-hmm. from his studies of being one of the most brilliant uh, black men that we've ever known. What he's done is study different tactics. And with my experience in the military, I understand that he knows or he knew that this is how you have to go about it. If we're going against muscle, we have to be more mindful to have any level of success whatsoever. Uh, if our muscles are smaller, uh huh. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're, you're you're dead on. I didn't mean to cut you off. Please finish. I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 brother. And I just I just wanted to uh, have people understand that we need, like, in the information age, we have to get the information. Um, my documentaries on this brother and seeing and studying exactly who he was, I, I had a different narrative coming up of who Dr. King was. But when I did the studies exactly. myself, I understood that this brother was armed. He, he wasn't just knowledgeable. He was armed. Exactly. He was with it. He knew how to handle himself, but he knew that, okay, I have to have a different approach because there's a lot of revolts slavery and otherwise that we don't know about because everybody died. Mm-hmm. So there was no right. effect outside right. of that moment. So we have to and be... Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. You're not, no, you're only king. Here's the thing, man. I'm going to tell you how bad it got and what made me even address it, man. I actually had mm-hmm. a guy when I, when I made the point that 
It takes more nuts to to to, to implement the nonviolent strategy. Again, keyword strategy, right? Um, right. You know, versus eye to eye. So when I'm when I made that, one of the comments as we were going back and forth, he was like, "Nah, you're off, brother." He literally went as far in the when it says, "Well, if somebody's attacking my wife, you know, I'm not gonna let that happen." And I says, "Do you not understand that Dr. King wasn't gonna let nobody attack Coretta?" Again, we're talking about strategy, tactic. Not, but it's, it right. hurt me to know that his narrative is, as you said, before you got your own narrative, right, to know that some people are getting a narrative to the extent that they will, as I said earlier in the show, will apply apply linear thinking and skip over everything and now think this is how this brother acted individually. Hell no. And something else that you pointed out, uh, Sincere, and we talk about even more to documentaries, well, I'll even I'm even willing to go to the Hollywood movie movie Selma, or whatever. I, I enjoyed right. that movie, but here's my favorite part of the movie. It gave me chills when I watched this part this year, and I and part of it is because I had studied it now, but to see it played out and acted out, this part I'm about to tell you about gave me chills. I, I was I've never forgotten it. So in the movie Selma, when Martin first meets John Lewis and Snick. They get there and they meet them, you know, their young brothers, you know, are, you know, on their ground with, with, you know, student nonviolent uh, what is it, coordination committee. I think I'm saying it right, SNCC. And so he meets with them for the first time, and he says, "How is this Bull O'Connor guy? How is this sheriff?" Because they said in Mississippi, that sheriff. We we showed up to protest, and he he let everything be. He he just be just as peaceful. So most people don't know this, but they had attempt what happened in Selma had been attempted in Mississippi. I think Jackson. I may be wrong about which particular city, but but they pretty much the the strategy did not work because that sheriff, when they protest, let them protest, keep the shit moving. He so when they asked. John Lewis and them, how was this sheriff here? And they told him, oh, no, he's not about to let that happen. They were like, they, they dug deeper. He ain't about to let it happen to what extent? And John Lewis and the other young brother pretty much reassured MLK. He's probably going to return pretty, he's probably going to react pretty violently. The look and assurance that MLK had in that moment, in that movie, and I sit there and I thought to myself, he's reassured because he knows what he's up against and he's accepting that. And he also believes the people he have behind him is ready for it too. You can't get no braver than that. Right. You, right. You can't get no braver than that. I don't, you know, we don't know if that's how it happened. You know, obviously it's Hollywood. You know what I'm saying? I mean, obviously they're getting the information from Lewis. You know, <laughs> you know, from, you know, been able to consult with John Lewis himself, able to dominate a brilliant director. So, you know, I'm pretty sure they didn't go too far from it. That may have been that may have been the exact conversation, but obviously they dramatized it for us, right? So I'm not gonna, but to but to think that they asked those questions and when he got the answers he needed, that man signed up for that. You can't get right. no braver than that, Cecile. No doubt. 
No doubt, brother. From everything that I've read and understood, like this brother was a soldier at the highest level. And and, and when people talk about cowardice, there's never war, the uniform, there's never been in a shootout, there's never feared for their life. Like, I laugh at that. Because going through those things myself, it's like, okay, well, what frame of reference do you have to understand what courage is? And let me ask you this real so, quick. I got another caller. Now, knowing that you've yeah. been through it, you've lived it. You know, I've served in the military. I was Air Force. I know y'all picked on us because we didn't have, we wasn't flying. We don't fight, right? So I didn't have to experience it to the degree that, you know, obviously I learned tactics, but I didn't ever experience anything firsthand. But let me say this to you. Even in having mm-hmm. experienced it, you didn't you get a lot of comfort in the fact that you could shoot back? No. <laughs> right. And no I'm doubt. saying it was easy. No doubt. Yeah, I'm not saying it was easy to go through it even though you could. But that's a lot of reassurance in fact that you can that you can buzz back. And we talking right. about Dr. Right, King and was, who stepped was, up to mm-hmm. whatever and he ain't busting back. That's that's the that's the that's, your joints hang low to the ground, bro. They drag the flow. <laughs> they drag the flow. Brother, but I wanna be able to bust me. back. Oh. Right. Right, right, brother, that's the epitome. And, and I was Air Force, too, but most times I was working joint, which means that that put me with the Marines right, or the Army yeah, or the Navy. We were doing joint. And, and mm-hmm. I've, been, I've been in the spaces where the bombs were going off overhead. So, so, so oh, yeah. again, if you don't have a, a frame of reference for bravery, like my thing is just, just to be able to do more research, and you have to rely on sources that do have – a depiction of what that actually is. Absolutely. Hey, I appreciate you came for supporting. I got brother Pierre. He's going to get in. I'll give him the last few minutes of the show, man. Thank you for calling in both times. Um, you always are a, a major support, man. Look forward to um, just continuing to build with you. Thank you for being a true secret king. All right, brother. Peace and love. All right, for sure. Hey, uh, brother Pierre, we got you snuck in. We only got a few minutes left. What you got for us? Yeah, you ever heard of a town, a city called Goldsboro? That was in uh-huh. Seminole so County. Is it one in North Carolina? Is it one in North Carolina? No. Or maybe, you know, maybe more than it one. It was Goldsboro in Seminole County, Florida. Okay. Okay, now I ain't familiar with that particular And you had a case where it was a black town, very prosperous town. And you had a case where whites owned a grocery store. And a black boy was in the grocery store, and he'd done something, and the owner locked him in the freezer for a period of time. Then they let him out. The kid went home, told his parents. And the parents and the rest of the black community boycotted the store. Well, the Klan didn't like that. So they was going to organize a march over into the black side of town, which was separated by a street called Broadway. Black men heard about that. So they lined up along the street called Broadway with shotguns and told them, you are not coming over here. And they didn't. I just want to put that out there. I'll talk to you later. Oh, yeah. 
No, no, absolutely. I've got a minute and a half. Thank you, um, Brother Piaki, for always giving us the historical insight and, and what Brother Piaki is speaking to. Because, again, it's not about whether me and Cecilia agree with Dr. King. It's just the idea of getting rid of the idea that he's afraid. Because what Brother Piaki is talking about, I've read the, not that particular story, but I know of another story where black men took up arms and were able to pretty much defend an entire town. So we have those episodes where that strategy was right and prevalent, and there were times where even King and them were backed up by um, different groups w- with arms. So it's not that we're picking one or the other. We just didn't want the disrespect that seems to be growing in the community to grow for Dr. King as if he was some coward. We can dialogue about the strategy or what's wrong or how we're hurt by it. We can do that all day. But no disrespect to the man, and I don't think Brother Piaki brought that to the table, but I'm glad he did bring it to the table because I'm, I'm reading a book right now just to share it real quickly called Force and Freedom by Dr. Kelly Carter Jackson, one of our guests on the show in the past, and she's breaking down historically this, this concept of, you know, what our involvement was and our getting, our getting our own freedom out of enslavement. We were heavily, not only heavily involved, but we was about that action too. That's what I'm learning. Again, I've, I know of stories anyway from my own studies, but it's beautiful to learn even of more story, stories. And that's the point of everything we've been talking about in this last 45 minutes is go get the story yourself. With that said, I'll see you all next Saturday. All I ask is that you think. Thank you all for calling in. Thank you to my sponsors.